When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What happens during a government shutdown? Who's affected by it? And how do we avoid it in the future? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. This week, Congress averted a government shutdown. Senate leaders from both parties raced to reach an agreement to fast track a bill that will keep the government funded until December 3rd. Since 1976, when Congress introduced a federal budget process, the government has shut down a total of 21 times. Now, most shutdowns occur over a weekend, but there have been a handful of lengthier shutdowns. According to data from the Congressional Research Service, seven shutdowns in the past four decades have lasted more than 10 days. So whether it's a few days or stretches longer than a week, it's a serious occurrence and it really does affect a lot of people. So what happens during a government shutdown and how does it affect the day to day of people around the country like you and me here to talk me through all of this is chief Washington correspondent and former White House correspondent for Fox News Channel Mike Emanuel who is actually uh, a guest of this podcast once again Mike I can't believe you came back Abby, thanks so much for having me. I'm honored. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been um, dealing with American government for Fox since 1997. So I couldn't think of a better person to have on to talk about government shutdowns. And and look, we, we actually didn't end up having one, which is a good thing. Right. But uh, let's just start with what are some causes for a government shutdown and what exactly is a government shutdown? So it's interesting because with the two parties so divided right now in Washington, um, they, you know, they come up to these funding deadlines and they're kind of staring each other down about what one side or the other wants. And so it seems like they never learn their lesson. And so whenever there's a government funding deadline, we're about to put the clock up in the corner of the screen on TV and saying, you know, countdown to a government shutdown until they pass a bill. And so the latest example, they punted from September 30th to early December. So crisis averted. But it, it's like there's such a lack of trust between the two parties that when you come to these funding deadlines, you want to say like, oh, of course, they're not going to shut the government down. And yet. Sometimes they miscalculate and they end up shutting it down. And then it turns out to be a huge waste of money for American taxpayers. Right. Uh, can you talk to me about the debt ceiling? Sure. So the debt ceiling is like is like the government's credit card. And so when you're talking about the debt ceiling, like Congress authorizes a certain amount of borrowing, perhaps for a certain period of time or a certain amount of money. And then when you come to the debt ceiling, 
basically that tells you that the government has spent all this money. And so they need an act of Congress to basically reauthorize the government's credit card to continue borrowing against our national debt. And so we're coming up to that deadline mid-October and you hear the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen kind of jumping up and down saying, like, guys, you need to stop messing around because we're about to exhaust all of our measures to extend our borrowing authority. And so we're, we're looking at the possibility of, you know, scaring the markets by basically saying the United States government has exhausted its ability to borrow money. Mm. And so it, it's I think it makes a lot of people's eyes glaze over, but it's like a really important thing because, you know, there's ongoing expenses that happen every day with our federal government and real people can can suffer at least short term if Congress and the administration don't work it out and authorize more borrowing ability. Right. It's also not a good look. I mean, if you're going to go buy a pizza and your card is declined, it's like, oh, man, you overspent once again. It's 100 percent. It's 100 percent. And, you know. It's the faith and credit of the United States government. And so at one point, I want to say it was like 2011, um, they they messed up and they didn't do it on time. And because I think it was like a stare down with Republicans in Congress and Barack Obama in the White House. And like our our credit rating took a hit, at least short term. And so, you know, it, it's not a good look, as, as you said. Right. Um, So then what happens when the government shuts down? What happens to all the workers and how long does it typically last? So uh, great question. And from experience, I've seen it, you know, where basically the parties are staring each other down and, you know, they, they run through the deadline and the government temporarily shuts down. And so what you can do is basically, if you're the White House, you can kind of make it uncomfortable for the other party by shutting down stuff that people like. Because a lot of folks in America say, you know, I pay too much taxes. I don't need all that government. But there are ways for people to, to feel the government shutdown. So, for example, Abby's family is coming to Washington to see the sites. Well, if everything is shut down because the government hasn't been authorized to spend money, then all of a sudden your family's in town and you can't go to, you know, the Smithsonian or to the monuments or to tour the United States Capitol. And so that's how you can kind of make people feel it. And so I know you're a big fan of our national parks, Abby. And so if there's a government shutdown, you shut down the people working at the national parks and so a lot of Americans who have saved all year to go on their family vacation and want to go tour the great American national parks all of a sudden can't do it because Congress and the White House couldn't agree. And so it can kind of be done in a way where you make people appreciate their government a little bit more. It's not just nuisance government, but it's like the stuff that we all want when we want it and and basically make people feel like, you know what? Like, I'm kind of irritated with one party or another in Congress because they should have gotten this done. We saved all year to go on vacation and now we can't do what we want to do. Right. Yeah, I do have a question about national parks because I go back to uh, what when was the last shutdown? Was it 2018? 
Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, top of my head. Yeah, that's about right. So, yeah, I believe it was 2018 and we were just starting to film Parked. And I remember we had to postpone some of the episodes because of the government shutdown. Um, but my question is, because we didn't go at the time, since there's no park range, since there are no park rangers or anyone working, do they shut the gates of the national parks? You can't even go in. Yeah. So I remember vividly. Uh, people coming to Washington and like they're lined up outside the Washington Monument and in various sites around town. And, you know, you had young families like there waiting in line, like hoping they could get yeah. in and then there's no action and there's signs up saying, sorry, you know, we're out of funding. We can't, we can't open today. And, you know, and then it becomes like a big human interest story uh, from the media perspective where it's like, you know, this family came in from wherever in Kansas or Tennessee yeah. or maybe somewhere see the outside sites. of the country. Yeah. Or, yeah, exactly right. And and then they they couldn't do what they came to do. And so then there can be kind of a, a political backlash against whatever party is perceived to be responsible for shutting down the government because uh, you see a lot of, you know, ordinary folks being punished for government dysfunction here in Washington. Right. Yeah. The Washington Monument is um, operated by the MPS. So that makes sense. So then what, uh, Mike, does the government do during the shutdown? I mean, what are the different roles that people in government have to uh, ensure that the shutdown is effective? So it's interesting because there are also stories about, you know, uh, two parent families who both work for the federal government and they're not getting a paycheck. And, and I don't minimize what they go through um, because look, you know, whatever you make for a living, when the money stops, it's, it's a major headache. It's a major inconvenience. And so there's that stress of, you know, October 1st or whatever it is, November 1st or December 1st and bills are coming. And I have to tell my mortgage, my credit card, my whatever that like I'm a little short right now. Ultimately, what happens is there's retro pay for uh, government workers when it's all said and done. And so I think who loses there is like, obviously, it's stressful for the, the government workers who didn't get paid. But the loser there is the taxpayer who these people are government workers are sent home there's no productivity and in the end the government you know workers get paid back and so the taxpayer is the one who loses out because it's like a big waste of money basically you sent a bunch of people home there was no productivity and then you end up paying the bill in the end and so you know it, it's it's a political battle that went wrong mm. and bottom line the taxpayer picks up the tab once again how does it all get resolved so, um, for example, if September 30th had come and gone and they didn't do it properly and we go to shutdown mode October 1st, then you're looking at, you know, Congress bickering back and forth as they're known to do. And ultimately, they would have to come to agreement on some kind of funding extension um, in a perfect world. Um, this year, Congress would have been working on budgets for all the different government agencies and passing these spending bills for all these different government agencies. And then by September 30th, passing an, an annual budget for the full year, um, they didn't get there. And so what they ended up doing was passing an extension, basically saying we're going to fund every government agency at current levels until early December. And then what you're looking at is the possibility of having this fight all over again 
right before Christmas. And sometimes, you know, sometimes they they battle and they pass a funding extension of a week and then they keep fighting it over, you know, a certain like this. We're spending too much on this. We're spending too much money on that. We need to cut. And so um, we will go through this exercise again in December. And so if you want to talk about a government shutdown in early December, I will be happy to come back and talk to you some more. You do that for us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Anything for you, Abby. Fantastic. Honestly, you're, you're the best. So um, I'm going to take you up on that. Uh, definitely. So be ready for that. All right. We got to step aside real quickly, but class will be back in session right after this. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Okay, so you talk about, you know, national park facilities closing, um, the Smithsonian museums in Washington, things like that. Um, You also have economic reports from the labor and commerce departments that could be delayed. A lot of things like that. Which government functions would be unaffected? So um, there are some things that are, are declared to be like absolute necessity um, where they decide that like you still have to show up and, and some workers are told you still have to show up even if the funding has not been extended and basically we'll pay you back. And so there are some essential services, um, but things like, you know, if you're going flying through the airport, uh, TSA may, may suffer some cutbacks because the funding hasn't been extended. And so you may get a headache there in terms of you're trying to get to your flight and the screeners haven't all been paid. And so maybe some came in because they're considered essential workers, uh, but some may not be, you know, it may be kind of a skeletal crew uh, because funding's not there. And so that's another place where the average American taxpayer, you know, like just wants to live their life and go where they want to go and do what they want to do. And this is where kind of the bickering in Washington can have an impact on a lot of average American taxpayers all across the country. Mm, Yeah, we see that play out in a lot of different arenas, I feel. What happens to uh, entitlement programs like Social Security and Medicare? Are those affected at all during um, during a shutdown? Yeah. So you can you can be sure that, you know, like the money's just not there. And so basically what they tell a lot of retirees and stuff like that is like when it gets restored, we'll get you a check, but short term, uh, it can be quite a hassle. And so, you know, there's that anxiety. Like if you're living on a fixed income as an elderly person and like you didn't do anything wrong, you paid into the system for however many years and you need your benefits, um, it can be a headache. And so that's where you see kind of the pressure build on uh, policymakers here in Washington to like get it together because, Mm -hmm. you know, grandma who needs her medicine and needs her groceries and needs to pay her rent like this is not her fault. And so you start to see stories like that pop up in different media outlets. And then all of a sudden it looks like these lawmakers and policymakers in Washington are out of touch because a lot of average folks are getting hurt very badly by their political disagreement. Right. So can it last um, depending on on the disagreement? Can it last longer than other times or is it kind of a standard You know, typically, I think pressure builds pretty quickly um, because, you know, like, does the average American care if an IRS agent can't come in and like audit them? No. Mm -hmm. Does the average American care, you know, 
on the national park thing, on food inspection, on, you know, your ability to go to the airport on, you know, so I think there are ways for, um, I think the Obama administration did that effectively when it happened back in their years where they kind of showed a lot of things about government that maybe people didn't always think about, but were popular overall with the American people. And so put the spotlight on those areas and not so much on the faceless, nameless, generic bureaucrat in Washington who's pushing paper around, but on the person who touches you every day in your daily life, who makes your quality of life better. They put the spotlight on them. And so then typically in a matter of a few days or a week, there's a whole lot of pressure to like, cut a deal to get people back to work. And, you know, and then people will say like, okay, there's all this lack of productivity because you shut the government down. People are not coming into the office on a whole and we're still going to end up paying them. And so, um, so typically it doesn't last terribly long. Um, but sometimes the bickering can last longer than you would want. And ultimately a lot of folks, you know, who did nothing wrong, have an inconvenience in their lives. Sometimes it's hard to stop the bickering, you know? Exactly. So, I I mean, I look at it this way. Knowing how harmful a government shutdown can be, are there any ways to prevent a shutdown besides, I mean, obviously you want to come to an agreement that would stop a shutdown from happening. But is there anything else that lawmakers can do? Yeah, I mean, I think it just, they need to like get to the negotiating table probably earlier. Mm. And I think, you know, Unfortunately, from covering Capitol Hill for a long time, covering the White House for a long time, like deadlines create action. And so when the, you know, cable channels are putting on their screens, countdown to government shutdown, that can tend to force everybody to the table to like get serious about cutting a deal. But then quite often, you know, several weeks out, people aren't necessarily feeling the pressure. And so I think as a rule, if you were a congressional leader, to start the dialogue earlier would be smart to avoid, you know, an unforced error, um, a miscalculation of your, you know, looking across the table at the other party. Um, I think that would be a good way to help the taxpayer. Now, um, they may argue that, well, then you're kind of caving a little too soon by going to the table early. But I think for the sake of the taxpayer, that's going to end up picking up the tab anyway. If you got negotiators to the table sooner, uh, hopefully you avoid a government shutdown. That makes a lot of sense. We always, we all have that one friend who you have to tell them, you know, we got to be ready by 445. If you're yeah, trying exactly. to make a 530 dinner, you're like, you got to be ready by 445. Just move it up, move the deadline up and, and kind of trick them is, is what we like to do. Um, exactly right. Mike, I, I want to wrap this podcast up how I usually do. And I want to put you on the spot and ask you, what do you think the most important thing to know about a government shutdown um, is for maybe for our listeners? Let's let's go with that, because we, we understand kind of uh, what it means in the context of the government. But for the average person. Yeah, look, I think if you don't live in Washington, D.C., you may think, like, how does this affect me? Well, I think that there's a lot of government services that you may not think about every day that ultimately have an impact on your life. And so, you know, meat inspection, um, you know, environmental, you know, observation, making sure that everything, your water is safe and your your air is clean to breathe. And so I think there's a lot of things that the government does all across this great country to preserve our quality of life. And so, 
yeah, there are a lot of nameless, faceless bureaucrats that might be out of work for a week or two weeks and have a headache paying their bills. But I think there's also a lot of people that in your everyday life that you may come across that you didn't think about that you think, oh, that person like make sure that the food on my table is safe. Like, okay, I, I want that. I need that. Um, or if you're lucky enough to have a long weekend with your family to go on a little trip, uh, you want to be able to go see the sites you want to see, like, okay, got it. You know, like next time I'm up at the Statue of Liberty, like I want to get up to see the Statue of Liberty. And, and potentially if the bureaucrats or the politicians are fighting, that could be a hassle that could be shut down. And so, um, so I think while it sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo from Washington, um, it can really affect your everyday life. Right. Which, which we don't want our everyday lives to be affected that much, Mike. So they need to figure it out in Washington is what I have to say. Exactly. (laughs) Mike, thanks again. You were awesome on filibuster and amazing on this one. I'll call you in December when, when we're nearing another potential government shutdown. (laughs) Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about government shutdowns. Number one, the government shutdown affects more than just federal workers. That's right. Let's say you are on a family vacation to Washington, D.C. to see the Washington Monument. You show up and it's not open. So taxpayers also suffer from a shutdown. Number two. The debt ceiling is the limit on how much the federal government can borrow. So if the federal government doesn't have money to operate, at least some parts of the federal government will shut down. And number three, to avoid a shutdown, Congress has to pass a law to fund the federal government by October 1st. Mike's suggestion makes a lot of sense. He says, come to the negotiation table sooner so you don't run up against that deadline. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on what is a government shutdown. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.